Have you ever considered that most of our senior leaders depend on assistants and representatives that act on their behalf? What if we allowed the same type of administrative and personal representation to support our autistic employees? In this episode, we are going to discuss how permitting the use of administrative assistance and personal representatives equalizes access for neurodivergent individuals. And this type of approach is not a new structure or accommodation, but rather a change in whom we deem worthy of supporting. Hi, I'm Dr. Teresa Haskins, and welcome to Think Differently, the podcast that challenges the status quo and explores the power of neurodiversity to create a more inclusive and accessible world. Together, we will talk about everything from the value of different perspectives to the limitless potential of human beings. We'll explore how embracing differences can lead to endless possibilities and how you can maximize strengths to make a positive impact on the world. So sit back, relax, and join me as we get ready to think differently. Today's topic is really important to me. And it's part of the reason why I began the Think Differently podcast. When we talk about autism and neurodiversity, the conversation usually centers around how neurodivergent people process information, communicate, and use interpersonal skills differently. When we talk about autism inclusion, so much focus is put on the individual, what strategies they can employ or learn so that they can better fit into the education environment or the workplace but we don't really appreciate and truly acknowledge that individual efforts can only go so far. That often we are asking autistics to be less autistic and that's harmful and disrespectful. And it also implies that autism isn't a disability, but rather a condition that can be fixed. And if we acknowledge that autism is a permanent unfixable condition, then we would have people more likely to appreciate that they need to take action too so that they can better accommodate autistic individuals at school and work. Another area of issue when we discuss accommodations is that autism is this vast spectrum and it varies by person. And there are individual nuances in terms of the level of severity, the level of support needed, and whether there's other core morbidities, other exceptionalities, and just basic human variances in strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities. What one autistic person needs may not be what another autistic person needs. And this can make a neurotypical manager or teacher more hesitant to accommodate neurodivergence. And we need to be honest that while there are similarities in the condition and state of being, the needs are not the same across all autistics. So today, I'm talking about my husband and my experience in supporting my son and navigating typical communications and learning environments. This also informs the needs he has when engaging with managers and peers or teachers. His journey is unique. He's twice exceptional, which means he's both gifted and autistic. So this episode is going to apply most to other autistic people like my son. 
However, the learnings from this episode will apply to so many others on the autism spectrum or with ADHD and those who need support with executive functioning and interpersonal communications. In the DSM-5, my son is considered a level two autistic. In the DSM-4, when he was originally diagnosed, he was labeled as PDD-NOS, which means pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified. This information is important not because we should label people, but to better clarify the autistic experience of my son and those who may best relate to our experience. My son, who's now 16, has been taking college classes since he was 13. He has a phenomenal memory, attention to detail, and affinity for numbers and language. His knowledge and skills in the areas of mathematics, science, and linguistics are off the charts. Obviously, he was admitted to take college classes, so he has the capacity to learn and apply his skills. When professors and scientists meet him, they praise him for his abilities and say that he will go so far in life. But will he? The path to even get a seat at the table with professors was not easy. There is no approved path for acceptance of inclusion. My husband and I had to advocate and fight for the right accommodations to be part of the conversations on his behalf every step of the way. We were told by university officials and disability personnel that our son would need to learn to advocate for himself. That part of the college experience is learning these skills to organize his work, to organize his time, to communicate directly with professors. And as I list all of these areas that he needed to learn to improve so that he would be successful in college, did we not just say he's autistic and that these are his areas of need where he requires support? If we cannot unlearn a disability like blindness and deafness, then how is my son supposed to learn how to be less autistic? When I say it out loud, it sounds absurd, but that is exactly what people ask my husband and I to do all the time, to coach our son on how to communicate better, to help him pay attention more. And we try to play by the rules and meet the typical professor and university's expectations. We coach him before conversations. We've stood on the other side of the Zoom screen to ensure he responded to prompts. We hold up signs with reminders during critical conversations. It's stressful for everyone, trying to prompt our son to respond when he's trying to be the lead in these conversations and having all these distractions. It's not effective. One day when a conversation wasn't going as intended, my husband and I stepped in. We introduced ourselves, explained our son's situation, and reframed the questions and verbally prompted our son to respond. What started out as a stressful conversation turned into a very productive meeting. We agreed with the professor to follow up on required administrative items, and our son knew his takeaways what he needed to complete on his own. And since we were aware of the requirements and due dates, we were able to ensure he delivered them on time. My son often needs redirection and prompts to stay engaged in small talk and other normative conversational interactions. But if you get him on a topic of interest or ask him a question that is clear, 
he is more than capable of answering and carrying on a conversation. While he may have interpersonal deficits, he does enjoy talking to others. He doesn't lack empathy. He just loses attention fast. And as previously described, it means that his approach to discussion may not align with the expectation of the typical person he's talking to. And I'm sharing our story because our experience, while seemingly unique, is not so uncommon in this autistic community. I get more emails from parents trying to help their highly educated autistic children who are seeking gainful employment than I can count. It's upsetting that these highly accomplished and skilled people continue to struggle to find jobs. But it's clear to me why. The typical way to enter a workplace and sustain employment is often dependent on communication skills and executive functioning, which are primary markers of autism. And the current modifications being promoted to increase autism inclusion to support neurodiversity in the workplace, like providing the questions before interviews and allowing video responses rather than real-time chat, while helpful, are not exhaustive in terms of options and approach. More so, these accommodations only help autistic candidates get in the door at companies. They do nothing to support the retention of employment and the overall success of the autistic employee on the job. So if I don't think the current accommodations are enough, what am I proposing? Well, I believe that autistic individuals need to have administrative assistance and to be permitted to have a personal representative to support executive functioning and communications, especially in high-stakes situations and conversations with managers and other gatekeepers, like during interviews, performance discussions, or when making requests for specific workplace accommodations. If we appreciate that autistics process and communicate differently, that their level of impact can affect their attention and ability to attend to things outside of their zone of interest, then it's not an unreasonable support to have in place. While there are autistic individuals like my son that need support in this area, I want to acknowledge that this need this level of support does not apply to all autistic people. However, for autistic employees with executive functioning and impaired communication skills, having personal assistance can be critical to success. For these people to be included too, it requires managers and organizations to think differently about accommodations and how we set up the workplace, which can lead to new ways of thinking about whom we include and how we include them, and more importantly, why we include them. A strengths-based model and view of human capabilities is essential when hiring these individuals. If you are hiring someone who needs to analyze linguistics and word structures or solve a calculus problem, my son can do that for you. However, most managers don't hire based on narrow focused strengths. We often require skills beyond the main purpose of the role. We want relationship management, strong communication skills, project and task management, and other skills that go beyond the primary scope of the role. During interviews, candidates are often asked to discuss areas beyond the work, how they handle conflict and difficult situations, 
how they manage relationships, prioritization of tasks, and other executive functioning and interpersonal areas, which are areas of need because he's autistic. However, if my son has a personal assistant or mediator in these conversations to help him focus and reframe the questions asked, he would be able to engage more effectively. And so this is thinking differently. And I want to walk you through a conversation I had the other day where I was trying to explain this concept to a business leader. And after I talked through how my husband and I set up task lists for my son for the day, ensure he keeps on schedule, and prompt him to follow up on communications, the leader actually seemed receptive. But yet there was still a hesitation. He said to me, so let me get this straight. What you're saying is if I were interviewing your son, you would want to be able to come in and be part of the interview, make sure that he answers the questions. You might rephrase things to ensure he better understands it, but ultimately he's responding. He owns the answers. And then when he gets the job, you would want to be able to make sure that he either has a project plan or task plan in place, whether that was from the support of an assistant or some sort of assistive technology, and just to ensure that he can stay on track. And I told him yes. And then he responded, well, yeah, that doesn't sound totally unreasonable, but do I have to pay for this support? Or is getting the personal assistance he needs on him? What I thought was interesting was that the leader immediately put the responsibility of support on the individual and felt that such support would be an unfair expense to put on the business. It wasn't that he was against having a third party support the employee, but that he thought it was beyond the responsibility of the business to provide such support. When I asked if the senior leaders at his company have executive assistance, he quickly responded, of course, because those leaders needed support to organize their days, manage their calendars, and handle the large volumes of distracting phone calls, emails, and other routine correspondence. I also asked if these same executives also had representatives that spoke on their behalf, especially regarding legal and financial matters. He responded, of course. And I asked him why. And he said, well, because you want to ensure the best outcomes in critical conversations in business-related situations. Let's just let that thought hang there for a moment. So senior leaders use assistance to manage their schedules keep focused on critical tasks, and eliminate distractions. And they have representatives that speak on their behalf to ensure the best outcomes. This executive assistance sounds like the exact same support we provide to our son. So this isn't a new concept to have people with strong administrative and communication skills support an individual so they can do more, more efficiently, and ensure optimum outcomes. So why can't an autistic employee be given similar supports so they can better navigate situations where they need an extra hand? One reason is the perceived value of executives' time and skills. The willingness to allow individual representation is also influenced by how we think work should be done because of how we've always done it. 
but my son wouldn't be attending and excelling in college classes if we weren't able to support his task management and administrative communications like scheduling and accommodation setups. He wouldn't be excelling because he might miss deadlines, lose precious study time trying to fill out administrative forms instead of focusing on his primary task, which is learning the content, taking the tests, and writing the assignments. Everything else in the day is noise, not critical to subject mastery, that can be managed by someone else. And if you think about how a CEO operates, they don't worry about the trivial day-to-day management of things either. They're not faxing people. They don't manage their own calendar. They have people go out and talk on the business's behalf because they focus on the things that matter most to them. It wasn't so long ago that I had the epiphany that my autistic son is a lot like a CEO. And my husband and I are his business representatives and administrative assistants. The way his brain works, he doesn't notice or focus on the small stuff. Now, the reason why my autistic son and the senior leader are not dealing with the small stuff may be different, but the type of support they need to be successful is still the same. The CEO and senior leaders, just like my autistic son, are most effective when they can focus on their primary objectives. And when other people manage the day-to-day logistics of how the world works around them, they perform their primary tasks better. It's really that simple. And this is thinking differently. This approach is not an accommodation because I'm not asking for you to change the work objectives. I'm not asking you for a different desk setup. I'm not asking for special technology. I'm not asking for anything to be changed in relation to the requirements of completing the job or the assignment. What I'm asking is, can I support communications on his behalf and make sure that he stays on tasks as assigned? Can I be there as part of the performance discussion to ensure that he understands what's expected, what he's doing well, and what he may need to change? Instead of thinking about autism-inclusive accommodations requiring major changes to the workplace, try to focus on providing the types of administrative and communication support you'd willing to provide to any executive to keep them on task and manage their schedule from day to day. Now, there's some ways you could do this. You could offer a designated team assistant that could provide support not only to the autistic individual, but the rest of the team helping to make sure that everyone knows what they need to do and when their work is due. This doesn't mean that you need to make any special accommodations to the work environment. It just means that you're willing to accept alternative approaches to how you work at different levels in your company today. It's important to remember that individuals with disabilities have unique strengths and talents, and with the right support, they can make valuable contributions to the workplace. So by taking a more supportive and inclusive approach, you can help create an environment where everyone feels valued and supported. I don't need my son to have a special workplace. I don't need his workload reduced, but I do need to make sure he stays on task, knows what the expectations are, and when the work is due. My husband and I are glad to be his assistants because we know how brilliant and talented he is, 
and that he'll be successful if given the right opportunities and not denied the support he needs, even if it's not typical for you. Be open to exceptional talent and unique packages. You'll be so glad you did. Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Differently. I hope you found our discussion today insightful and thought-provoking. I want to thank AudioWorks Studios for their exceptional production and recording support. Without their expertise and dedication, this podcast would not be possible. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to share it with others. Your support helps us to reach new audiences and promote neurodiversity in our world. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform so that you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. We look forward to seeing you again soon on Think Differently.